It's Thursday, April the 22nd, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist, sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, protests in Russia and India's staggering caseload. First, the world in brief. Police arrested more than 1,400 protesters demonstrating across Russia in support of Alexei Navalny, an opposition leader. Human rights experts at the UN called for Mr Navalny, who is three weeks into a hunger strike and is being imprisoned in harsh conditions, to be treated abroad. With all eyes on Mr Navalny and the build-up of Russian troops along the Ukrainian border, President Vladimir Putin used his State of the Nation address to warn against Western meddling. India reported 316,000 new cases of COVID-19, the highest tally yet. More than 2,100 deaths were recorded, including 249 in Delhi, where the High Court excoriated the government over shortages of medical oxygen. Leakage at a hospital in Maharashtra caused ventilators to run empty, killing 24 patients. India has administered more than 130 million doses of vaccine, but just 1.3% of the population is fully vaccinated. The Financial Times reported that the European Union and India are in talks to jointly finance infrastructure projects around the world. The idea is to compete with China's Belt and Road Initiative, which funds overseas development by offering better terms on loans. The EU and India plan to unveil the scheme formally at a virtual summit on May 8th. China's ambassador to Pakistan appears to have been the target of an assassination attempt. At least four people were killed in a blast at a hotel in Quetta near the Afghan border where Nong Rong had been staying. He was reportedly not present when the explosion went off. The Pakistani Taliban claimed responsibility for the attack, which they said was carried out by a suicide bomber. America's Department of Justice will investigate whether the Minneapolis Police Department has a, quote, pattern and practice of discriminatory behavior. The Attorney General Merrick Garland cited the city's, quote, potentially systemic policing issues. One day earlier, Derek Chauvin, a white former police officer, was found guilty of the murder of George Floyd, a black man in Minneapolis last May. A plan drafted by Italy's government showed how Mario Draghi, the Prime Minister, hopes to lift the country out of its deep recession. The measures, using €221 billion, $266 billion from the EU's Pandemic Recovery Fund, will focus on greening the economy. Some 40% of funds, meanwhile, will be allocated to the deprived South. The plan has yet to be approved by the Italian Parliament. The European Super League was scrapped after several Italian and Spanish football clubs said they would no longer participate in it. The previous day, all six British teams announced their exit. The change of heart followed condemnation by fans, politicians and other clubs who saw the competition as a money grab by a dozen of Europe's leading teams. The few remaining sides in the putative league will probably follow suit. And editor's note... In the coming months, you may notice as we test some changes to Espresso, we will keep it brief as ever. Our stories each day will cover a wider range of topics and may be updated more frequently. As we experiment, we welcome feedback from you. Tell us what you like or don't. We hope to serve up the strongest shot of daily news, analysis and commentary possible. 
writes to the Espresso editor Adam Roberts at editor-espresso at economist.com. And now, here's today's agenda. Promising the Earth, Biden's Climate Summit. Today, Earth Day, Joe Biden, America's president, will host 40 world leaders in a virtual two-day climate summit. His goal is a grand one, to persuade other countries to take more action on climate change while also rebuilding American credibility on the issue. He will try to lead by example. He is expected to announce a plan to cut America's greenhouse gas emissions in half by 2030. This would nearly double America's pledge under the Paris Agreement of 2015, which promised to cut emissions by 26 to 28 percent from their levels in 2005. Mr. Biden is also expected to announce new support to help poor countries use more renewable energy. He also wants other governments to make their own targets more ambitious ahead of COP26, the United Nations Climate Conference, in November. Britain and the European Union have already announced their own tougher targets. Countries such as Brazil, China and Russia will probably present any new emissions targets in their own time, if at all. Repeated Game – The European Central Bank Meets After the financial crisis of 2008, Europe's central bankers whipped away their support for the economy too quickly. When they meet to discuss monetary policy today, they will be eager not to repeat that mistake. Christine Lagarde, the European Central Bank's president, seems relaxed about rising inflation. In a speech on April 8th, she noted that recent increases were mostly because of temporary or statistical factors. But should the ECB be doing more? Europe's recovery is projected to be slower than America's. Economists at Citigroup, a bank, point out that the ECB is calibrating its asset purchase scheme according to the timing of the pandemic, not its inflation goals. That suggests that it is too focused on supporting the economy until the worst of the crisis is over, and too relaxed about lifting demand to return to a pre-pandemic trajectory after that. The outlook is uncertain to be sure, the cost of excessive timidity is not. Slow-going COVID-19 vaccines in Africa Across Africa's 54 countries, 47 have begun putting COVID-19 jabs in arms. Yet aside from Morocco, which accounts for more than half of all African doses administered, and the tiny tropical archipelago of the Seychelles, things are going slowly. Sub-Saharan African countries have given doses to fewer people than the American state of Michigan has. Government failings are one reason. Most countries have administered fewer than half of the vaccines they have received. Nor does hesitancy help, a product of misinformation and a sense among many Africans that COVID-19 is not that big of a deal. But the main cause of the sluggishness is simple. The continent cannot get enough vaccines. Its primary source of doses, COVAX, the international alliance, has struggled to acquire the number needed from India. Unless that changes soon, Africa's ambition of vaccinating 60% of its population by the end of 2022 will look increasingly over-optimistic. The Grand Finale – Germany's Wirecard Investigation Today, Olaf Scholz, Germany's finance minister, will speak at the Parliamentary Committee investigating the spectacular collapse of Wirecard, a payment processing firm. 
Tomorrow, Angela Merkel, Germany's chancellor, will also give evidence. The German press is calling it the grand finale. The country's most powerful politicians need to explain the government's role in the country's worst case of corporate fraud in post-war history. Parliamentarians will ask Mr. Schultz why Baffin, the financial regulator he oversees, went after short sellers while ignoring warnings about Wirecard's business practices. And Mrs. Merkel will be asked why she lobbied for Wirecard during a trip to China, even though suspicions about the company's shady dealings were already circulating. All this is particularly delicate five months before a national election that will mark the end of Mrs. Merkel's 16 years in power. Wirecard may be the subject of the investigation, but the German political system is also on trial. Dino Mite Tyrannosaurs hunted like wolves. Picture the tyrannosaur. Lumbering around with giant legs and spindly arms, the great predator of the late Cretaceous period is normally depicted as a dim-witted, solitary hunter. But new evidence suggests the dinosaurs hunted in packs. In 2014, Alan Titus, a paleontologist, discovered several skeletons within the Grand Staircase Escalante National Monument in southern Utah. After years of excavation and analysis, Mr. Titus and his team concluded that the group of tyrannosaurs must have died together in a flood. The study echoes previous findings of mass death sites in Montana, another American state, and the Canadian province of Alberta. In 2017, Donald Trump, then America's president, opened up much of the Grand Staircase Monument's lands to mining and drilling. The Kaiparowitz Plateau, where the bones were found, remains protected. Mr. Titus offers his finds as proof that the plateau is worth safeguarding. After all, he says, this discovery is, quote, just the tip of the iceberg. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Immanuel Kant, who was born on this day in 1724. Happiness is not an ideal of reason, but of imagination. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.